Hey guys, we are so excited that you are joining us uh, right here on our live stream service. And I know this is a little different than maybe what we're used to, but uh, we want to bring a brand new series to you, our Invest series um, that we're bringing right to your living room <laughs> because of our storm. So we want to jump straight into what God wants to speak to us today. And so let's just open up with prayer and we'll get right into the sermon today. Father, we just thank you for today. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, as we become more like Christ and as we become more transformed uh, into who you would have us to be. God, I pray that this message, God, would penetrate our hearts, God, that it would go down deep into our soul, Father, that it would find root in us and that we would be transformed more into the character of Jesus, that we would become more like Christ, that our behavior wouldn't just change, God, but with the same eternal outcome or the same temporal outcome, God, but we would become more like Christ and in turn, it would affect every aspect of our life and so, God, I pray that as we talk about investing in family today, God, that you would help make our marriages stronger, our relationships stronger, uh, Father, our household stronger, and that in that you would make us as individuals stronger as we become more like Christ. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, let's jump straight into our Invest series. We're going to, the, the series, scripture, the theme that we're going to use uh, is Proverbs 24, 6, and it says, for by wise guidance, you can wage your war and in abundance of counselors, there is victory. Now, in the context that we're going to use this scripture uh, to, throughout the entire series in today, um, it's talking about using the guidance, what people are bringing, and particularly what our pastors are going to bring to you throughout the whole series. Let's use that guidance so that areas in our life that maybe we're not doing well in, we can become victorious. So let's use the guidance that God is bringing us through our pastors so that we can become victorious. How many of us would like to have better marriages? We would like to have uh, better relationships with others other people. We'd like to be better ourselves or maybe leading our children better or our children would submit to us because we're leading better. All of those areas we want to talk about and become victorious in. All right, guys. So we want to talk to you first about areas in our lives that need to be led well. And the first one we want to talk to you about is marriage. Ephesians 5, through 24 says that wives Understand and support your husbands, check this, in ways that show your support for Christ. So wives, you are to respect your husbands and support your husbands the same way that you would respect and support Jesus. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to his church not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to their husbands. Now, I think this is important because just as the church submits to Christ, as he exercises such leadership, that's something that we as husbands have to understand, that we should exercise the leadership that is respect worthy. In other words, if we're gonna ask our wives to respect us, the same way they respect Christ, then we should lead them the same way Christ leads the church. Let's jump over to Ephesians 5, 25 through 27, because it says this about husbands. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives. In other words, let nothing stop you. you. They should know every day that you love them more than anything else. Now, my question to you, husbands, is this. Does your wife know that you love her more than anything else other than Jesus? Is she the most important thing to you? Because if we don't display that, how can our wives submit to and respect our leadership if we're not going all out for them? That's important. 
in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church. Love this. A love marked by giving, not getting. And I've heard it so many times sitting in counseling sessions and in certain arenas where men will sit down with their wives and say, well, she doesn't respect me. She doesn't submit. She doesn't listen to me. And I'll say, well, you're, all you're trying to do is get something from your wife. I've yet to see you give up anything. In other words, you want authority. You want respect. But you're not doing anything to deserve that. And we have to love our wives well. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says, men, husbands, everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her. Now, I know for me, I've, I've made it a practice to start trying to bring the best out of my wife, to, to start speaking words to her that would start to bring out the best in her, that would make her feel better about herself. Dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness, and that is how husbands ought to love their wives. So husbands, we are to love our wives in such a way. We are to speak with our mouth. It, it, I, sometimes I'll hear husbands talking about their wives, that their wife maybe doesn't look the way they used to, or they don't do the things they used to do. And, and husbands, let me encourage you, you don't look the way you used to, all right? You, you're not doing the things you used to do. And uh, I challenged a man one time, he was sitting down uh, with his wife in a counseling session, um, and he was talking about all the things that his wife didn't do. She doesn't do this, and she doesn't do that. And she doesn't do these things. She doesn't do those things anymore. And she used to do that. And so I challenged him. I said, buddy, when's the last time? I said, what did you do when you were trying to marry your wife? In other words, when you first started dating, what was the process that you would go through to try to woo her, to make her understand that you wanted to be with her? And he, he said, well, I would take her on dates and we would go to the movies and we would do all, we, I would bring her gifts at work and I would surprise her with these things. And we would do all, I said, when's the last time you did that in your marriage? And he leaned back and said, I don't even, I don't know. And I said, you wonder why she doesn't do things the way she used to. You don't do things the way you used to. And husbands, we have to understand that we have to meet, we have to meet a standard before they'll meet a standard. We have to lead them well before they'll submit well or they'll respect us or they'll follow us. Why? Because yes, the Bible says that wives are submitted to their husbands, but that's because the husbands are supposed to love the wives the way Christ loved the church. So much so that he gave his life for us. And some husbands aren't willing to give their career for their wives. They're not willing to give up a paycheck for their wife. They're not willing to go get a paycheck for their not. There's so many things they're not willing to do, but they want their wives to submit to them. Them. No, love your wife and love her well. So let's talk about three areas that we can look at and lead well in our lives. The first one is marriage, just like what we're talking about. We have to lead our marriages well. I remember I was uh, talking about my wife. and I love my wife, Ashley. She's amazing. And uh, I call her my gift. And sometimes she gets annoyed with how much I try to, I try to embarrass her in public because I know she hates that. And so uh, I'll talk about her while we're preaching or I'll give her a shout out online and, and on Facebook or Instagram. And, but one of the things I try to do, um, I try to do it once a week, is I'll send her a little message 
uh, via text. I'll just text her in the middle of the day, completely random. Um, sometimes it'll be something that I've wrote or, or something, but all I'm trying to do is help her understand that to me, she's the most beautiful, amazing person that I've ever seen in my entire life. That, she, that, that everything that she is, is a gift that God has given me and that he's blessed me with. And husbands, I encourage you to do that. Show your wife, do something unique once a week, something special once a week to show your wife how much she means to you. But wives, do the same thing for your husbands. You know, the Bible says that a, that a, a nagging wife is like a clanging cymbal. And sometimes you think that repeating over and over all these things that he's doing wrong, you're speaking that over his life, and that is demotivating to a man. So I encourage you, let's bring unity, but let's lead our marriages well. And we're going to talk about how in just a few minutes. The next one is our children. Our children, an area that we need to lead well in our life is our children. And so we, we wonder why children are in the shape that they're in, they're in the condition that they're in as far as being disrespectful or disobedient and, and that no one, they don't, they don't obey their mother. Well, that's because the father continues to show them that they don't have to when the father doesn't respect the wife of the house or the children don't respect the father because the wife talks about the father when he's not present. We have to lead children well so that they understand that our respect for each other as husband and wife, that our love for each other is so powerful that we would never break that to communicate to our children that they shouldn't respect and love the father and the mother of the house. And then thirdly, ourselves. Ourselves, that we have to lead ourselves well. How do we do that? Well, we can't lead ourselves technically, so what we have to do is submit to who we need to be led by. And who is that? That is Christ. So maybe you're not married yet. Maybe you don't have kids yet. And if that is the case, then you're in a position where you need to allow yourself to be led well. How do we do that? Luke 14, 27 says this, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What do we mean by bear his own cross? That means let go of my selfish desires to cling to what Jesus wants from me. Here's one thing I can promise you, whether you're married or you have children or you're single, one thing that Jesus wants for you is that you would want Jesus more than anything else, more than your career, more than your paycheck, more than uh, your plans, more than your agendas, more than anything else, that you would want Jesus more than anything else. But in turn, in doing that, we take on the character of Christ and so we bear our own cross. What does that mean? That we take on the mentality that we're going to give up the very thing that we want. Uh, and in turn, Jesus will pick what is best and healthy for us, right? So he will choose what is best and healthy for us. So how do we do that, right? That's, that's the big question. How do we do that? Well, I believe that there are a few areas that we should compete in our relationships and in our marriages and how we lead our children. And, and the phrase that we're talking about today is family. So I believe there are ways and areas that we should compete with our families, right? Uh, let's check out 1 Corinthians. It says this, it talks about love. And it says love is patient and kind, right? How, how many times in our household does love not look patient nor kind? But love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. 
In other words, love does not say me, 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 but love says, let me give to you, you, you. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So love needs to emanate from us. Why? Because that's the very thing that Jesus preaches, that that love should be showing from within us, that it should be coming out of us, right? So we should love one another. So how do we compete in our marriages? I want to focus. We're going to go straight through them. The first one is that we should compete at forgiving in our marriage. We should compete at forgiving in our marriage, not looking for ways that we can hold something against the other person that they did yesterday or 10 years ago, but that we should forgive those areas that maybe they've hurt us. They've said things that hurt us. They've done things that have hurt us, but we should be looking for the opportunity to forgive those areas, forgiving one another. And one of the ways that I think that we can do that um, is it's really simple. Um, there's a Disney song that all you parents are tired of hearing, right? The first one is, let it go. Let it go, right? Like, let it go. There is nothing in life that is worth damaging your relationship over by hanging on to an offense. Now, I'll also say with that, that some offenses cut very deeply and no one can be forgiven until they're repentive. So that's a big step because a lot of times we challenge our marriages and we say, you've got to forgive your spouse. You've got to forgive your spouse. But the question in that is, is your spouse repentive? Not just sorry, but have they turned away from that? In other words, if you have a spouse, let's say uh, you're a husband out there and your wife has cheated. She's, maybe she's had an affair uh, and she's repentive. She's genuinely coming. She's turning away from that. She wants no part of that. She's coming. She wants to restore that relationship. Then we should seek forgiveness in that area because that is what God would have us do is forgive and let that offense Go. Does that mean you're not going to remember it? Of course, you're going to remember that. But we need to forgive. We need to let that go. But if she's not repentive, if she's not turning away, she's saying, I'm still going to keep doing that. I'm going to still see that person. I'm still going to go back to that. Then you can't forgive if the person is not repentive. So we have to be prepared for that. So we need to compete in forgiving. We need to let it go. And then the next thing is that we need to apologize. Apologize. Man, we need to be looking for the opportunity to say, I'm sorry. Who can apologize first? One of the things that myself and my wife do constantly is, is anytime there's something, anytime there's uh, areas that we become frustrated with each other, or, you know, we, we may have a, not a full-on fight, but just an argument, or maybe we're just discontent with each other. We try to beat the other one at apologizing to each other. Hey, baby, I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Just the other day, something was going on and, and um, it, it was chaotic and just things around the house were crazy, just like everyone else has. It's not special to us, right? And, um, and I, wasn't, I wasn't necessarily mean with her as much as I was short with her. And I kind of blamed her for something or alluded to the idea that something was her fault that really wasn't. And I, I texted her uh, throughout the day and I said, listen, you know, baby, I'm sorry. That wasn't your fault, but I made it feel like it was. 
And I'm sorry about that, and uh, I love you, and, and, and just kind of went out of my way to try to say, listen, I'm going to apologize first. Um, and so we need to compete at forgiving, we need to compete at letting it go, and we need to compete at apologizing, right? Inevitably, that means that we don't need to compete at holding grudges. We don't need to compete at saying it was your fault, not my fault. It was your fault. You did all of these things. No, no, no. We need to be looking for every opportunity to become better at forgiving each other. The second thing that I feel like we can get better at or we need to be competing at in our families, whether it's our spouses, whether it's our kids, whether it's our relationships, the next one is hearing. Hearing. We need to compete hearing each other. You know, my wife has this thing that she says all the time, which is, uh, um, I, I, I have two days a week, Tuesday nights and Friday nights that I usually don't have my phone on me. I check it about every hour to make sure there's not some crazy emergency. But so Tuesday nights and Friday nights, I put my phone on my dresser. I walk away from it. Why? Because I'm really bad about her talking to me and I'm listening to her, but I'm not hearing her. And so I'm just, yeah, yeah, babe, yeah, I got you, uh-huh, uh-huh. But I'm not, I'm not hearing what she's saying. And one of the things that tends to happen is I miss things that are very, very important to her. And my question to you is, in your marriage, are you missing things that are very important because you're not hearing what your spouse or your son or daughter or your mother and father or, or just someone that you're in a relationship? Because we're talking about the whole family here, not just marriages. So even if you're single, are you missing out on what your friends are saying because you're not hearing them? Are you always trying to be the first one to talk? Oh, I've got something to say. I've got something to say. No, we need to hear each other. And in hearing each other, there's two things that I think we need to focus on. Number one, we need to focus on what the other one wants, what the other wants from us, right? And so with what the other wants, we need to be focusing on kind of what are they, like my wife, one of the things I have tried to do in my marriage well, right, I've tried to do it so well in my marriage is constantly give my wife what she wants, now, sometimes that's not realistic for some marriages, right? Um, I love, one of the things I love about my wife, we joke about it sometimes. My wife is so, what I would call low maintenance. Like she doesn't need a lot of things. She just, she, she loves life. And, and so she doesn't need a lot of flash or the latest this or the best that, you know. Um, I, I go shopping with my wife sometimes and it drives me crazy because we'll walk into a store. She'll find all these things that she loves. Like, man, I love, she loves this shirt. She loves this pair of jeans. She loves this. She loves that. She grabs all these things. And by the time we leave the store, she's put them all back. And I'm like, why did you, why didn't you just buy it? She's like, I don't really need it that bad. I don't really want, you know, I I want it, but I don't really care. Why? Because she just doesn't need a lot of things, which is great. But that puts me in a position as a husband where if I'm going to take better care of her, I need to be listening to the things that she wants. So one of the things that I've done in my marriage is I've tried to listen to the things that she truly, truly wants and give those things to her at every chance I get. So a while back, she wanted to start a photography deal. And so she said, I would love to have this camera. She just, she didn't ask me for it. She just said, I would love to have this camera. And so I went out and got her that camera. And she said, man, I really need a computer to edit these photos on. And so um, she didn't know it, but I went out and just bought her the computer to, to edit those photos on. And, you know, she, uh, and then she, you know, she's talking about a number of things. The most recent thing, I really want to change this carpet in our house and, and get some wood floors. Um, and so 
we had talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And her and Jabin went into the, the hospital for about a week. And, and uh, so while they were in there, I just said, you know what? We're putting it down while she's in the hospital. And so we went in and did that. But not only that, she had mentioned a few things that she really wanted done in the house. And so I took it upon myself to love her well and hear what she wants. And if I was in a position that I could get that for her, then why wouldn't I? She's the most important thing in my life other than Jesus. Why would I not give her something that she wants if, it's, if, it, if I can afford it, right? She wants a million dollar Ferrari. She's out of luck. I'm not giving her that, right? But if she, if she wants some wood floors in the house to replace the carpet and I'm not gonna put it on a credit card, I'm not gonna go broke doing it, I'm gonna do that. Why? Because that's what she wants in life. And she hears the same thing from me. Um, I'm a bit more of a spender than she is. <laughs> so I find things, all that, I want everything. Like, you know, I I want every firearm. I want everything for my truck. Like, so I'm far more high maintenance than she is in that regard. Um, but she finds ways, um, not as often because I want things all the time, but she finds ways to say, hey, you wanted this and I wanted to give it to you. And I think that's important. The next thing about hearing is what the other needs, what the other needs. And this is far more important than what the other wants. Because there are areas of my wife's life, and there are areas even of my son, Jabin's life. Even right now, my son doesn't speak, but there are things that he needs, that he may never tell me that he needs, but I have to know through the word of God and through what the Lord is telling me how I'm going to lead my family well, I need to give them what they need. What does my wife need? My wife needs security. Right? She needs, uh, in that case, her home. She needs security, knowing that I'm going to protect her, that as a husband, I'm going to take care of her. Um, she needs security. She needs affirmation. When she became my wife, she stepped out from under her father's covering and stepped under my covering. That means it is my responsibility to affirm my wife, to take care of my wife, to give my wife security and to encourage her, to give her identity that she is mine, that I'm not looking for someone else, but that her identity is mine and that her identity is in Christ as well. So I give her security and I give her affirmation. Those are the things that she needs, but she may never communicate. And it's up to you to figure out uh, what your spouse needs. There's a couple books that I think are awesome. Um, one of them is called Stop Squatting With Your Spurs On. <laughs> uh, it's a very interesting title of a book, but it's called Stop Squatting With Your And it talks about personality types. And I think that is huge in a marriage to understand your spouse's personality type. Uh, and then there's another book. Actually, there's a few books on love languages, how we as individuals communicate via a love language. So it may be a touch love language. So um, you may have a high touch love language or, or it may be something tangible as far as purchasing gifts. There's different love languages. So I encourage you to go out and, and maybe get one or two of those books and start trying to dive into ways that you can care for your spouse or your children or your friends. If you're single, or if you don't have kids, each area of your life or each area of your family, and that's what we're talking about today is family. How can you care for them well and care for them better, right? So we need to hear what the other one wants but we need to be paying attention and hearing what the other needs. What do they need in life? And looking for the opportunity to give that to them. So we compete in hearing one another. The third thing that I think we, could, that we should compete in is investing. Investing. 
And I think this is huge because we need to be looking for every opportunity to invest in one another uh, and to go out of our way to, to speak to one another and how, how I can become better, how they can become better. And so we invest. How do we do that? I think there's a number of ways, uh, even talking about investing in your children or investing in relationships. One of the things I try to do with, with some of the people that are closest to me, and I would even dare say some of the people that I'm kind of a spiritual father to, is I'll take them to lunch or I'll take them to dinner and I'll buy the meal. Right, I'll do that. And I think that's important because it's showing value to that person. You know, I'm 30 years old now, 30 years old. And my dad still tries to buy me lunch and dinners every chance he gets. Um, and for him, that's his way. He'll take me out to lunch. He'll speak into my life. He'll tell me, you're great at this. You're great at this. And maybe there are some areas that you could get better. But he invests with his words into my life. And he'll pay for the meal. He'll invest into me by paying for the meal. And then uh, he'll encourage me by ways that I could uh, do better as far as leading my wife. Hey, son, make sure you're doing this. Make sure you're doing that. So he, then he's investing in my marriage. So he finds ways to invest in me often. My question is, how could we invest in our marriages and in our relationships and in our children better? But here's the thing, not just investing financially, because here's what we've noticed with a lot of times, particularly fathers that work really, really hard. They'll invest by paying for their kids' sporting events, by paying for their band, by, by paying for all of these things. But at the end of the day, they're not investing into the person. So they've spent money, they've paid dollars, they've dropped them off at football practice, but they haven't invested. So they're, they're paying for things, but they haven't invested into the lives of these children. Or, so we have to get better at investing. And I think there's two things that we need to invest in well. The first thing, uh, talking about our family and competing, is we need to compete to invest in each other's faith. Invest in each other's faith. We should be competing to lead every part of our family member spiritually. We should be competing to say, hey, we need, let's, let's look at this new opportunity to study the Bible here, or, or let's look at a, a new opportunity to study in this arena, or, or how can we lead each other in our faith better? One of the things I constantly talk about with, with Ashley, my wife, you know, I'll, there are many Sundays she doesn't even make it to church, depending on how my son Jabin is doing. Um, he's sick. For those of you that are maybe watching this for the first time, you've never been to TC, you're new with us. My son is six. Uh, he has a, a brain disease, so he doesn't have full body function. So he's a child with special needs. And oftentimes that means she doesn't always make it to a church service. Uh, and one of the things I have to be aware of is I have to compete to invest in her faith by leading her towards Christ constantly, that when things get hard or when things get tough or when things become difficult, maybe in our marriage or in our family, I look for the opportunity to drive her towards Christ. I remember it wasn't too long ago, uh, she had to take a lot of time off of work. And in taking that time off of work, she kind of found herself, or we found ourselves as a family in a place where we, we weren't making as much money as we once were. Uh, and so uh, right about the time that things were starting to get a little harder for us financially, uh, someone just started mailing us a check almost every other month, not for like $100 either. I'm talking thousands of dollars. People would, here's a check for $2,000. Here's a check for $5,000. And we were just blown away. But here's the thing that I did to invest in my, my wife's faith is I stepped in and I said, you know, Honey, we haven't seen God do the miracle in our son's body like we want him to do yet. And she said, yeah, I know. 
I said, but we can't forget and we can't take for granted that God is showing us that he hasn't forgot about us either. In other words, he's taking care of us in other ways to show us what was I doing in that moment? I was investing into my wife's faith that Jesus is still Lord. And when things get hard, we don't give up, but we press in and we believe even more that God will take care of us in our time of need. So we invest in each other's faith. Next, we invest in each other's value. We invest in each other's value. How do we do that? Well, one, I think one of the ways that we invest in each other's value, again, going back to affirmation, and we're gonna talk more about that next week, but investing in each other's value, that I am establishing value for my wife, that I am establishing value, that she is so valuable to me, that she is more important than anything, that she is great and that she is good, and that I love her. She's so valuable that she is priceless to me. And so I invest, but I'm competing in that. My wife is investing in my value. My, you know, we're, we're trying to invest in my son's value. Like we're going out of our way to invest in what's important in our lives. So I invest in her value. One is one of the ways I do that. I build up not only her character, but I show her that she is more valuable than anything else to me. So whether that, sometimes that's through gifts, sometimes that's through physical touch, sometimes that's communicating, right? As we go through marriage, you know, I know I, as a husband, I don't look the same way I looked when we got married eight years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> there are things about me that have changed. And so sometimes she'll come to me and say, I don't like this, or I don't like that, talking about herself. And I try to encourage her and invest value into her, telling her, I love you, I love your spirit, I love who you are. I love you physically. I love what you look like. I love what the gift that God has given to me. Why? I'm investing in her value. That when she's by herself, she doesn't doubt whether or not I love her and I love everything about her. Why? She's valuable to me. And we need to compete in investing in the value of our spouse. Inevitably, that means that we're gonna have to let go of competing to be right. We're gonna have to let go competing to try to be best. We're gonna have to let go competing to try to be the ruler or the dictator of our house. We're gonna have to stop competing to try to, try to be the one that gets loved the most. No, 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 we're gonna compete to show the most love in our house. And so we need to compete at investing. And then the fourth one today we wanna give you is that we need to compete at praying for one another. We need to compete at praying in our houses. And I think this is something that if we're not careful, we will become great at doing a number of things uh, in our walk with the Lord. And we'll be great at doing another things, a number of things in our family. But we'll stop being great at the spiritual aspects of our home. And we need to compete at praying for one another. Sometimes I, wives will come into our office and their marriage isn't going well. And uh, they'll say, you know, my husband is just, he's not getting it or he's not doing this or he's, he's not doing that. Or, he, you know, I wish he was doing these things. Or I wish he was doing those things. And, and I said, have you prayed for him lately? And she said, well, no, but, and I'm like, well, you need to understand that praying for your spouse, for your child, for your mother or father, for your aunt or your uncle or your cousins or whoever we're talking about when we talk about family, right? I'm a genuine believer that there are friends that become family. So even our relationships with each other or with other people, man, we should be competing to pray for one another. I've, uh, over the past year or so, I've had people actually become what I would call like family for me, a number of them. And I pray for them constantly, that God would bless them, that he would take care of them, that he would encourage them. 
And so when we're praying for each other, there's a few things that I think that we need to be praying about, talking about competing. Number one is that I become what they need. If God put me in their life, what is it that God wants to use me for in their life? Now, in marriages, that's a very complex thing that I would become what they need. Talking about praying for one another, praying in our marriages, praying for my spouse. God, give her strength. I pray for my wife constantly. God, give her strength, give her peace, give her joy. We're walking down tough roads. And some of you in marriages, you go through tough seasons and, and things become hard and they become complicated and you don't know how you're gonna get through it. But we need to be praying that we would become what they need as Christ is always becoming what they need. He's already become what they need. And so we need to compete to be the husband that our wives need. And, and wives, you need to compete to be the wife that, that, per, that your husband needs. And, and we need to compete to be the parents that our children need. And, and we need to compete to be the best friends that our other friends need. We need to compete in that. And then number two, secondly, and this is the last one, we need to be competing and praying that God would help me become victorious in my failures. That there are areas of life that I'm just not that good at. I know mine. We usually don't have to work very hard to figure out the things that we need to fix. It's just that most of the time we don't wanna take the time and the work to fix them. And here's one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of marriages is we tend to want to better ourselves physically, but we don't tend to want to better ourselves romantically, emotionally. We, don't, we tend to not want to better those aspects of our lives, but those aspects are the most important to our relationships that we need to be praying and competing. I, my wife is competing against me and I am competing against my wife in the area of praying that God would help me become victorious in the areas that I have failed. And I can tell you this, as a husband, I've failed my wife in a lot of areas. I have not been strong when she needed me to be strong. I have not given grace where I needed to give grace. I've not been merciful when I needed to be merciful. I have missed opportunities to speak into her spiritually. I've missed opportunities to encourage her faith. I've missed opportunities to forgive where I should have forgiven, to hear where I should have been hearing, to pray. I've missed opportunities to be the husband and the father to my son that I should have been. But here's one thing, I'm gonna compete with everything that I have in me and I'm gonna pray that God would help me become victorious in my failures as a husband. And I wanna challenge you today, wherever you may be, if you're, maybe you're married uh, and you have a spouse and uh, maybe you have children, maybe you don't have children, maybe you're single, Maybe you're not married, but you have children. So you're single with children. It doesn't matter where you are today. You have a family. And in our family, we need to be getting better at reflecting Jesus towards one another. I think these are just a few steps that are gonna help with that. And next week, we're gonna cover even more and go deeper into how we can become better as a family. The last scripture we give today is 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says this, because I think this is important when we're talking about this. It says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And I think for a lot of us, maybe you weren't raised well. Maybe you weren't fathered well. 
Maybe you were never shown what a husband should look like, or maybe some of you women were never shown what a wife should look like. Maybe as children, you aren't being raised well. Maybe some of you are children and you haven't been parented well up until this point. Here's what I can tell you, that as we look to become better in our families, we need to put away childish things. We don't always have to be right. We don't always have to be first. We don't always have to have our way. What we should always be doing is forgiving. We should always be hearing. We should always be praying. We should always be looking for a way that we can reflect Christ towards our family better. And maybe you're watching this for the, maybe you've never been a part of TC. Maybe you're watching this or maybe you're a regular attender here at TC, but here's the thing that I know. We can all get better at loving our families. And so we wanna pray today that God would show you how. He's already shown you a few ways today so that God would, number one, give you wisdom, give you knowledge. God, how do I be a better husband? Excuse me. How do I become a better father? How do I become a better friend? Or ladies, how do you become a better wife? How do you become a better mother? And that God would give you knowledge and wisdom on how to execute that plan. So we wanna pray right now over you. God, I just pray for every person that's watching this, Lord. God, that you would give them wisdom and and strength and knowledge, God, on on how to be better in the areas that you have called us to. This isn't just a message about hypotheticals, God. You have told us that men should be great fathers and great husbands that reflect Christ. That is why we opened with that chapter. Husbands, you have a mandate to be great to your wife and to love your wife and to respect your wife. And ladies, you have a mandate from God to love and respect a husband that takes care of his wife. And so God, I just pray right now that you speak to each one of our hearts, my heart, my marriage, my family. God, that you speak to each one that's watching, that husband, that wife, that mother, that father, that child. God, that you cause us to be more like Christ than we've ever been before. Let us forgive and let us become great at loving one another. We thank you for it, God. Maybe you're watching us on live stream right now. And here's the the other side of that page. You can't love like Christ until you know him. You can't become more like Christ until you allow Christ to take control of your life. And maybe you're watching this and, and you, you say, you know, pastor, I, I know I've heard about God or I've heard about Jesus, but I've, I've never surrendered. I've never repented of where I was, recognize that I need to turn away from that and that I need to put my heart and mind on Christ, that I need to repent of my sin. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And if you wanna be saved today, if you wanna ensure your eternity, The way that you get to do that is not by being better, not by doing an amazing work or or by accomplishing something on your own. It is strictly by putting your faith in that Jesus went to the cross. The Bible said he died on the cross and he atoned. He paid a price for your sins that you couldn't pay yourself because you could never be good enough to pay for the sins that you have in your life. And I could never be good enough to pay for the sins that I have in mine. But when Jesus went to the cross, 
He paid the price. He gave up his life, a perfect life, a sinless life. He gave that up. He died on the cross. All you have to do to be forgiven and to be saved is to repent of those things that are in the past, turn away from them, never to look at them again, and put your faith in Jesus that when he died on the cross, he paid for your sins. And if that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And praying this prayer doesn't make you saved, but I want you to make a public proclamation out of your mouth that you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ. So I want you to pray this prayer with me if it's in your living room or wherever you may be. Maybe you're watching this from a coffee shop. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. I'm repenting of them. I'm turning away, never to go back. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later. Through your death, through your life and through your resurrection, I'm saved. I put my faith in you. I believe in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We celebrate with you an amazing, amazing day today. And, and do us a huge favor. If you prayed that prayer, if you proclaim that out of your mouth, if you put your faith in Jesus today, here's what I wanna ask you to do. I wanna ask you to go to mytc.life right now on your computer, on your smartphone, on your tablet, just go to mytc.life and, and click on the uh, connect card and you can click on uh, all the different options that we have on mytc.life. But on one of them, there's a form and it says that I gave my life to Christ today. And if you'll click on that and, and uh, that'll help us pray for you and know who you are so that if you receive Jesus, today, if you put your faith in Christ today, if you got saved today, we want to celebrate with you and, and we want to rejoice with you. We want to pray for you. And we also want to give you some information that will help you on your next steps in following Christ. All right. So we celebrate with you today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for all of those, Father, who watched this and God, they recognize that they, we, I, can get better. God, that we can love our families better, that we can lead our families better. So God, I pray right now that we compete with one another at becoming more like Christ. That we compete with one another with showing each other the love and the respect that Christ has shown us. That husbands would lay their lives down for their wives that wives that would submit to their husbands in love and in respect, not in a dogmatic rule over them, but they can submit because they're being led well. And that children would see that love, they would see that respect, and that they would submit, Father. That we would have healthy fathers, healthy mothers, healthy children, and even those that may not be in a place yet where they're married or they may not have children, God, that we would reflect Christ in our relationships with each other, forgiving and loving as Christ did. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.